Welcome to episode 18 of the Swift Teacher Podcast. One lesson at a time towards... Swift World Domination. Joining us today is Cindy Heron. Cindy is a K-12 technology and innovation leader at Waukee Schools in Waukee, Iowa. She's taught for 18 years in a variety of settings and enjoys collaborating and sharing best practices of integrating technology in the classroom. She is an Apple Distinguished Educator, class of 2015, a 2015 PBS Lead Digital Innovator, a Code.org affiliate, a Seesaw Ambassador, and a Google Certified Educator. She also serves on the Governor's Computer Science Task Force for the state of Iowa, as well as a state K-12 Computer Science Standards Workgroup. All these experiences have helped her connect to amazing educators from around the world. Thank you for joining us today, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sounds like 2015 was a pretty big year for you. <laughs> yes, it was. It was a nice year. It was. So you do all these things to help the teachers in your district work with students and, and teach them how to code. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, where you where you teach and work. Sure. Um, I'm in Waukee, Iowa, which is a western suburb of Des Moines, and it is the fastest growing district in the state of Iowa for the last 19 years. So we are we are experiencing the, uh, the fun of building buildings about every year or two. So um, currently we have 13 schools of about 10,500 students, and we are adding another elementary the following year, one the year after that, and we'll be soon at our second high school here in the next three years. So a lot of growth and um, a lot of a lot of good opportunity. That's a little about my district. Um, I'm in a new role this year. Um, I'm a K or a K-12 technology and innovation leader for my district. There are two of us, and we serve teachers and students in all 13 schools. And really, we're just um, a, a resource for teachers to to use technology in their classroom um, and just really enhance their the learning of students and and the teaching that's going on. Um, we. With our growth, we're not we're not a one to one district, but we are increasingly getting more technology in the hands of te- teachers and students, and we need to have some PD that goes along with that. So we help facilitate PD at a at a building level or in small groups at a PLC or or one on one. And honestly, we probably spend the majority of our time with personalized PD and, and just really meet with small groups of teachers or teachers with a particular interest in learning something new. Prior to this role, I was a K-5 technology teacher. So each of our elementaries has a K-5 tech teacher in the building. And I was that person for seven years in one of our elementaries. And so now I kind of help facilitate that group as well. And when Apple released the K-5 portion of their Everyone Can Code curriculum last May, I was really excited um, and kind of bummed at the same time because my role in working with students one-on-one each day has changed a little bit. So um, that was one of my first passions this fall is to make sure that our K-5 tech teachers knew about this new curriculum and that felt they felt comfortable with this. So we had some one-on-one PD with that group and they jumped right in. They're, they're a great group of teachers and they were pretty excited about that. Uh, everyone can code K-5 piece. So they have implemented that in all of our elementaries. And so we've got about 5,500 students using that curriculum and and they're really enjoying it this year. It sounds like we do something similar. I do that tech integration support role for my district and helping our teachers, but I also then have carved out time in my schedule to be able to go, still be in the classroom to teach Swift. So I get a little bit of that, just enough to say I'm still in the classroom and just that get to still enjoy that, but not be in there with the grind five days a week. Yes. It's really great to be able to continue that connection with students and, you know, seeing what, what's going on every day. Um, that definitely is, it's, that's where, that's where it all happens is with the kids. So it's great to have that connection. It's interesting. Uh, do you view that role? And I know this wasn't part of our original intended discussion, but I served in the Marine, U.S. Marine Corps. Part of everything the Marine Corps does is centered around what's called a four-man fire team, the smallest, most basic unit in the Marine Corps. And I brought some of those 
priorities to this job in that I view everything, the most essential relationship is between teacher and student. So really, I view my job as to support that however I can, and everything else is just secondary. Is that how you see that role? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Often, um, my partner and I put out weekly tech tips. Um, You know, we'll highlight new curriculum or we'll highlight a new app or be a resource that teachers aren't familiar with. And we kind of send that out each week um, to all the teachers in the district. And often from that, the way teachers schedule time with us is with a, a You Can Book Me app. So basically, they just go in and schedule time with us. And we generally meet first and, and kind of discuss what the plan is. And then from there, it's typically um, team teaching in the classroom. Um, but often teachers will start with the app. I saw that app. I think that's really cool. I want to try that in my classroom. And I try to bring it back to, you know, what are the needs of your students? Tell me about your class. Um, you know, where are you? Where are your kids with the writing process or, or what is it? Where do you feel that students could really, um, have their, their learning, you know, enhanced a little bit? What could we do a little differently? And so I think it's just a matter of, um, really getting to know, like you said, those students and those teachers and really what those needs are and getting into a deeper discussion about really changing changing learning. And that's when teachers kind of go, wow, that was amazing. Like my kids have never written so much. They were never as motivated as they were as, you know, so it's just, it's really fun to um, help teachers connect those dots and and they're always thanking me and, you know, it's like, it's really not about anything I've done. Um, but it, it, that's just their first natural instinct is to just say thank you. Because I think what they're what they're realizing is, wow, this really was transformational. So that's, that's what's really fun is to see teachers get really excited about trying things in a little different way with their students and, and getting a better result. So that's what that's what's really rewarding about my job now. Weekly tech tips. I'm I might have to try that. That's a good suggestion. Thanks. Well, I I would love to say I thought of it myself, but there are other great educators out there. Dan Koch, um, Ann Cosma in California. They also do it. And the, the way they format it is just on a Google slide. And so they just add a slide each week. And so they continue to have this this increasingly nice resource. Um, so with lots of books and similar to a hyperdoc, I guess, or, uh, just, a, a collection of resources for teachers. So it was, it was, uh, borrowed and, and thankfully inspired by other educators. So, okay. Well, uh, I refuse to use Google slides cause I, I really don't care for it. It's, it's, it's terrible, but uh, I will try it on a Keynote deck. That's, uh, I love Keynote yeah, as well. Yeah. I love Keynote. I love Keynote. So you said your district, is it one-to-one? Do you guys have carts of iPads? Is that how you're... You we do. Um, it really... Does it depend <clears throat> honestly, on the building? It does. It depends on the building. Um, what we are seeing is our elementaries are in really good shape. Um, but when you look at where tech funding comes from, it comes out of the same money that you build buildings with. And so we've felt that in our new buildings where, you know, we're continuously building our high school, um, probably has the least amount of tech of any of our buildings. Um, but our elementaries are sitting really well, but a lot of that funding comes right from our parent-teacher groups. And so our PTOs have been very generous and they raise money each year and just give a check to the principal. And it's generally earmarked and focused on technology. So at the elementary level in each building, we have two labs, two Mac labs, which is really great. One is for uh, the K-5 tech teacher, um, but the other is open for classroom teachers to use with their students. And then we did have iPad carts, but we're moving away from that. We probably, I would say on average at this point in the elementaries, we're, we've got about eight to 10 iPads in each classroom. So we're not quite, but almost two to one. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so that we've got quite a few uh, iOS devices at the elementaries. Um, middle schools, you'll see more carts uh, by department iPad carts. Uh, they do have a lab or two. We've, they've got a MacBook cart, and then they've also got 
iMac labs. Um, and then the high school, this is where we're really working toward getting more technology in the hands of the students. Um, we have 90 iPads currently for a school with about 1,600 students. <laughs> so uh, there's some opportunity there. So it's one of the challenges that we've been um, facing this year is what can we do to get the you know technology in the hands of the students and the teachers at the high school. So we've considered you know, bringing, you know, the BYOD environment. I, I think we're, we're finding some solutions. So hopefully within the next year, we've got quite a bit more technology at the high school as well. How did you start or what was your journey to teaching computer science and coding? Well, I've always, always been passionate about um, technology. I mean, it probably goes back to when my dad brought home a, an Apple IIe when I was in seventh grade. and It was the most amazing thing I had ever ever encountered, um, you know, with the three programs that it ran. So it was a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time just tinkering with that. Um, I had one class in high school that was a class, basically our entire semester project was to program anything um, to happen on the screen. And so I programmed this little guy. My, I kind of had a lofty goal of programming this little guy to move across the screen while bouncing a basketball and getting it in the hoop down at the end. Um, but I mean, it was keystroke by keystroke to make that happen. And I went through college, never touched a computer, had a typewriter. And, you know, that was kind of interesting. And when I first started teaching, I was a, a classroom teacher. I started out with a behavior disorder classroom, six, uh, fourth through sixth grade. And then I was a fourth grade, second grade, first grade, just different classroom teachers. I was ironically in my district at the time, the high school teacher who taught my class when I was in high school as I came back full circle, I taught in that same district as with my first teaching job. And he was then the director of technology for the district. So he had moved on from being a high school teacher to the director of technology. One of my first years of teaching, he had sent a message out. He was looking for one elementary and one high school teacher who would be willing to have an internet connection in their classroom. And this was, you know, back in, oh my goodness, what year was this? 1992, 91. And uh, we didn't have any, you know, none of the schools had internet. And so I I got an internet connection through my phone, a dial-up connection. And the agreement was, we'll, we'll put this internet connection. You just need to come up with a project idea and and be willing to speak at the state technology conference. I thought, oh, you know, young and naive. Sure, I'll do it. I've always just had this passion for using technology and just seeing the excitement out of, you know, with kids. Always been kind of a personal interest of mine. As far as teaching coding, um, like I mentioned, I was a K-5 tech teacher for seven years. And I really wanted to give my students that same realization that learning to code was really powerful. And that you really can create anything that your imagination allows you to once you learn a little bit about coding. And so even my youngest students, they'd come to school my, and think of my kindergartners, they'd come to school and they would know how to use an iPad. They, you know, ironically didn't know how to use a mouse in front of the computer, but um, they just thought that these were magical devices. You know, they, they've, they've grown up these little five-year-olds have had iPads and, and computers in front of them, you know, for their whole lives. But what's really interesting is they just, when you ask students, how does that work? You know, how, how, tell me about these apps. How did these apps come to be? You know, they just think it's magic. They don't understand that people, computer programmers, imagined, designed, revised, and created all of these things using code. And so that was something that I just really wanted kids who are users and and consumers of technology to understand they can become creators and they can do that as early as five years old or even younger. So for me, it's really about helping students understand how technology works and um, how they can make technology do things for themselves um, or for others or even create things that could change the world. This was something that was just interesting that many students were just blown away by that, wow, I I can make something happen on the computer. And it really brought me all full circle back to that high school 
entire semester that I spent trying to make this little stick figure on a green screen move across. I don't know why. I, I don't know how to explain why that was my favorite class in high school. I think it was just because it was such a challenge and it was different and it just feels really powerful to make a computer do something that you can imagine. And it, it might it just be something very simple like that. When I was teaching in my K-5 tech role, I believe it was in 2013, uh, Code.org came to be. And uh, it's a great nonprofit organization that really is dedicated to um, helping students and teachers use technology and, and learn to code. And so I saw the very first... Uh, video that was released about charging uh, our schools to teach coding. As soon as I saw that video, I showed all my students and there were a few resources that code.org had put out there and I was just hooked. I thought this is exactly what I was looking for. Prior to that, I had been using um, Scratch, but it's a little, little more advanced for younger learners. So, that's what I loved about the code.org curriculum is that they targeted even kindergartners, the pre-readers, and they could um, learn about computer science. Since then, I used many other uh, parts of curriculum, um, Tinker, CodeSpark Academy, Codable, Scratch Junior. Um, I got, I had a very generous principal at the time who helped me with uh, a little bit of funding to get some devices, some robotics in the classroom. So we got some parrot drones and dash and dot robots and spheros and ollies and some Ozbots and just the anything I could get my hands on um, with students. They absolutely loved it. And just drawing all those connections, you know, all these different curriculums really all have this typically the same concepts that they're teaching students and they and they teach them in a, in a really good logical order. I will say my favorite so far is the Everyone Can Code curriculum. Apple just released that last spring. Two great multi-touch books, Get Started with Code 1 and Get Started with Code 2. Um, the first book is geared a little more like kindergarten through second grade and then the Get Started with Code 2 is targeted for students in grades three, five. Really, really great resources for teachers. What I love is that they're just embedded with everything you would need to teach coding to your students. And this is for teachers who have zero, like no computer science experience at all. So it's really very cross-curricular. It ties in with a lot of the language arts and math concepts and science concepts and so any teacher could pick these books up and and really feel empowered to teach coding in their classroom. Well, it's really interesting that you mentioned that what you really saw and what really drives you is how you can go up to students and see their their interest levels peaked by showing them how they can create stuff and they can really make whatever they want. It's 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 funny, you know, whether it's whether you're working with K5 or my level at 11, 12, it's, that's a universal thing. What do you want to make? And that creativity that really sparks them, then that they want to make Isn't something that, yeah. really drives mm -hmm. then the learning that they will have all of the scientific and computer science learning that they have to get in order to create what they want on the creative side. And, um, there's a famous mm -hmm. indie developer, Marco Arment, creator of the Overcast podcasting app, and he also did Instapaper. He was a creator of Instapaper. And he said, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention. Like, he learns stuff when he needs to learn it to okay. make whatever he wants to make. That really is true, whether it's a professional doing it or one of our one of our students. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You, you Students as, as young as five can actually begin to write code and, and see whether it works or doesn't work. And, and that's the beauty of it is they can actually see the result of their code. And it's, and you know, with a five-year-old, it's block-based programming and they're just dragging and dropping commands and it might just be arrows to show I want it to move right or left or up or down and even the youngest learners will sit there and go oh 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 hold on I, I, I think I know what I did wrong and they're just 
there it, it's amazing because if you handed a student a math problem to do and they got it wrong, it's it's you just don't get that same reaction. They're not grabbing their paperback saying, "Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I know what it." They're just so motivated to find and fix their mistakes, to make it work, to um, build something even more complex. To work, they work together. Um, they help each other and and you don't have to even ask them. It's just, it's really, it's, it's my absolute favorite thing to teach. And any teacher who just jumps right in and gets started is going to see, it's just, it's like magic in the classroom. It really, truly is. It is magical. And, uh, and I think Apple really nailed it when they called their curriculum or named the curriculum, everyone can code because, I have seen, you know, I have all students when I teach computers, I have all of them. I have students who have um, diagnosed learning disabilities. I have students who are staffed in special education. I have non-English speaking um, newcomers to our country, my large population of ESL students in the school I taught in. And it is amazing because kids can do this. And, um, and they're all just so inspired. I, I really cannot think of one student who sat back, crossed their arms, and just decided they didn't want to do this. And I, I honestly, truly can't think of anyone who was not so motivated um, to learn computer science. And so that's what's really fun. Kids can come together and bring their different ideas and their different problem-solving skills together. And sometimes it's those kids who struggle in other curricular areas who are just, they just thrive. They just shine in this classroom. And, and that's what's really cool is all of a sudden that student who maybe struggled in reading or struggled in math, or maybe even, you know, has an IEP in those curricular areas. They're the kids that can just sometimes just figure it out. And, and the other students are saying, Hey, can you help me figure this out? That's a pretty amazing thing. So I absolutely love teaching computer science. It sounds like that is your favorite part. <laughs> it is, is that kids are constantly mm-hmm. engaged and excited and what they're doing. And I, I see the same mm-hmm. thing. And even those kids, you know, students come to our district because um, they like to work with their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they haven't had a great experience in traditional school settings, sitting in class all day. They like to work and just work on projects. And that's why they come to us. And I see the same thing. It doesn't matter what the kid has done before, they're all new to us. And I just see the ones that can, right. that are successful. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing The when they want, some are getting success for the first time. And then they're like, what else can I do? When else can I, can I come in? Can I stay after school? It's, it really you're is. Abs- I totally see what you're yeah, saying. You're absolutely right. They do. And, and I hear that often from parents of students I work with, like, oh my, you know, they'll come down to my room and say, I had to just come find out, like, what is it that you're doing down here? They're coming home. They're so excited. They want to do it at home. Mm-hmm. And they're telling me about this robot or, you know, they're telling me about this app that you have. And we have an iPad, but I don't know what app you're talking about, you know. So it's just fun. And I always have the students share with the parents what they're doing and, and how they're and it, it's really pretty fun to see parents too, because they have no idea what their kids are learning. And, you know, these are things we didn't learn in school. And so it's, it's really pretty fun to see entire families get involved in this excitement. So in your district, what software or hardware, whatever you want to talk about, what tools are you using to teach computer science and coding? Well, as I mentioned in K5, we've got our um, Mac labs and um, also plenty of iOS devices at the elementary. So our elementaries are in pretty good shape. Um, they use a combination of iPad and and Mac. Our our district it has two middle schools, but they're grades six and seven, and then they have two eight nine buildings. So two different buildings that are eight nine buildings, and then w- currently one high school that's grades 10, 12, but it will soon in the next few years be two high schools. So we'll have two middle schools, two eight, nine buildings, two high schools. Those schools, again, it varies building to building. Um, They all have Macs in a lab of some sort. um, And then there are iPad carts. So that's our challenge in our district now is, you know, we've got these kids who truly are leaving fifth grade as they are ready to learn Swift. They are you know, beyond ready to um, do things with their knowledge they've learned K-5. 
Um, and so we've got these middle school kids who really don't have any right now where they're able to continue on their learning with coding. So that's our charge and our goal for next year is to have Swift Playgrounds offered in grade six, seven, um, and then intro to app development and app dev in grades eight through 12. And that's a little tricky too, because we've got the eight, nine buildings, and then we've got the you know, so we've got two different buildings and we're trying to figure out, you know, which teacher or in within each, which course, you know, could this be a part of a math course? Could this be part of a science course? Could this be part of advisory experience? You know, we want to make sure all students have that experience. And so, um, and in Iowa, I've been working also on, um, at the state level with, um, some legislature. There was a Senate bill, uh, 274, um, that was established, um, and it basically lays the foundation for strengthening computer science education in Iowa. And so the goal of, um, the bill 274 is that by July 1 of 2019, every elementary school will offer, um, instruction in the fundamentals of computer science and that every middle school will offer exploratory computer science, and that every high school will offer at least one high-quality computer science course. So um, this is something we're working on at the state level as well. So we're hoping that by this school year coming up in 2018-19, that we'll have that in place in our district, which will be just a year ahead of when it will be expected at the state level. Um, along with that, I've been working, well, I'll, we'll start, we're starting our work here in January um, on a computer science standards um, committee where we'll be writing those K-12 state standards. Um, and that team includes teachers, administrators, curriculum specialists, um, higher education faculty, representatives from businesses, industries, and so it's a really good group, a good collective group of people coming together to work on getting those standards put in place. Well, it sounds like your district's going to be ready for that 2019. You already seem like you have your plans with playgrounds yeah. for six, seven, intro and app dev and app dev. Yeah. When you get to the point for the intro and app dev and app dev, make sure you join us in the Swift Teacher Slack channel because by the time you're ready, you know, a few of us will have been teaching it for a few years. Absolutely. And we can give you some uh, pointers. I think that's really key is finding the right people. And, you know, you want teachers who are excited to be teaching this and and also willing to learn and learn right along with their with their students and they'll will definitely be reaching out to you and it's not just in the u.s but we have people mm-hmm. from all over the world that are exchanging ideas so that's great uh, it it sounds like you have your plan so in the elementary level you guys mm-hmm. using tinker and code spark to teach the intro yeah yeah we're really um you know it's so nicely laid out by apple again the multi-touch books are available for anyone to download and they're teacher manuals that honestly anybody could pick up and go through um a kindergarten lesson all the way through a fifth grade lesson and um it's just it's really put together nicely there are um just different components to each lesson that are embedded. Um, if you are using Seesaw in your district um, as the journaling tool, um, there are different um, reflections that little reflection activities at the ends of lessons where students can reflect and add their add their thinking to their Seesaw journal. So it's really a very, I was very impressed with the curriculum. It's well thought out. It's, it's all laid out for teachers, all the materials, all the keynotes are embedded, all the materials you would need. Um, It specifically tells you which um, they partnered with Apple partnered with Tinker and CodeSpark Academy to um, create different online lessons that students can practice to practice their skills. Um, once they've learned, for instance, you know how a repeat loop works, um, they'll practice that in the different levels on on using Tinker. So, um, and for teachers who might still feel a little intimidated, all of the answer keys are there so that if students are working ahead and tinker and they're stuck on a level, there's help for teachers to kind of help those students. So um, it's really, really just a great curriculum that anybody can pick up and just start teaching. Um, and I would, I would 
really, truly encourage any teacher, not just a computer science teacher. Um, if you're a first grade teacher, if you're a second grade teacher, you can just jump right in. And, and it's not... Um, a huge amount of curriculum. So the book for Get Started with Code 1 has, I believe, 12 lessons. And that's expected to be completed over a three-year period. So 12 lessons for, you know, break that down. You've got four lessons for kindergarten. So any kindergarten teacher could find time to teach these four lessons. And what you'll find is that there are so many other cross-curricular ties. Um, often teachers will say, oh my goodness, we were just learning about cardinal directions. So when they're learning north, south, east, west, and they're programming something to move north, south, east, west, like, oh, we just learned about this in social studies. So you'll find all these cross-curricular connections. Um, and there's all, you know, for the other teacher who might think, well, wait, four lessons, that's not enough. Tons of other resources that you can connect and use with kindergarten students. It's not an overwhelming amount of curriculum. Um, it's very achievable for any teacher to just pick these books up and and teach their students computer science. Yes. So as somebody who is married to a kindergarten teacher, now I can talk to her <laughs> about what she could be doing only for her to roll her eyes at me when I start talking about technology. And I'm no, 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 no. Oh, you can do this in your classroom with your iPad. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and many, many of the lessons are unplugged activities, meaning they don't, you don't need a device. So if you are in a district where you don't have devices, um, that's fine. Um, so the, the Tinker app and the Code Swift Academy, those puzzles are really great to help enhance and, and give students opportunities to practice the concepts, but it's not necessary. They, um, you don't have to have one-to-one -one devices. So the lessons really are um, more unplugged activities. So they're activities that students do that, um, for instance, they may learn about sequence by doing um, a dance. So head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And when we sing that song and when we do the actions, they're in a sequence or in an order. And when we mix up the order... Now let's try the dance and mix it all up. You know, it just feels very different and we don't get the same results. So you can teach something as simple as sequence and putting things in the correct order um, without having a device. So these are important concepts to how a computer thinks. And when students can just make those connections and just even understand when you do have an iPad in your hand, um, there's a programmer, a person who wrote the code to make that app work for you. So... That's just a very simple but yet profound concept that kindergartners can learn. And you'd be amazed at how many kids think, oh, I want to make an app. And they'll say that when they're five. And, you know, the answer is you can and keep learning coding and, and you can do that. A really, really good curriculum. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're an instructional designer at Apple, uh, Cindy and I are giving you a virtual <laughs> high five right now. Uh, Absolutely. We really think you did a great job. Uh, with the curriculum K through 12. And I have to say that I don't have any experience teaching it at the K through five level, but the, I, I have looked and worked with the Tinker app just uh, out of personal curiosity. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's fantastic. I was so impressed by it. I wrote a blog post on it and I'll put a link in the show notes. That is a great, that is a great, they did a great job with that app to get kids really working on coding. Cause at that level, you know, you do probably need some, uh, block-based coding, but I'll refer back to uh, somebody I met, uh, Stacy Snagowski. I interviewed her in episode five, and she talks about she's not a big fan of block-based coding, uh, especially for older kids, because she referred it to uh, like baking with an easy-bake oven. And she said, when you make a cake in an easy-bake oven, is it really baking? I mean, it's technically all the ingredients <laughs> of cake, but is it really cake? And block-based coding, I think Tinker... What it, what sets it apart is that it really does take and take that block-based coding the next step that is needed by also including and being able to switch to the Swift code. So they did a they, right, they did a great job. Now you also uh, helped develop a computer science curriculum for K through five, and I think that was really that's really excellent. The reason why I, I'm bringing this up is uh, I recently had a talk. Uh, in episodes 14 and 15 with Dr. Nicholas Utram from Plymouth University in the UK. And we were talking about how all these, this exposure kids are getting now is going in the high school level 
to teaching coding is going to affect what he's doing at the university level because these kids are going to come in ready and be like, hey, I know all this stuff. Uh, let's just let's start start farther along. Where uh, Absolutely. where do you see your current students in like five to 10 years? What do you think the impact of all this will be? Well, that's, you know, there are days where I think, oh, gosh, you know, I get frustrated because we're, we're not able to teach um, Swift at the high school quite yet. And, you know, we don't have things in place at the high school quite yet or the middle school. We're moving that direction. But, you know, it's, at its own pace and its own speed and there are barriers and, and there are things that we'll overcome, but it just takes time. And sometimes I'm not very patient with that. Um, that being said, you're absolutely right. We've got a huge number of students that not only have such a good knowledge base and, and a lot of it did come from using block-based programming because it really, that block-based programming really helps kids understand the process of coding. Um, sure, they don't necessarily know the syntax or know exactly what what to type. Um, and for some kids, quite honestly, that would have turned them off. If we didn't have block-based programming, that would have been so frustrating for them just from the standpoint of being able to type the code, to making a silly mistake as far as, oh, I you know, missed part of that syntax. Um, so the block-based program really gives those kids that confidence because they, they know what they're wanting the computer to do. Um, and as long as they are able to give the command in a way that, that makes sense to them and to the computer, then it works. And that's, that's the beauty of block-based programming at the younger grades. But I'll tell you what, I've got fifth graders who have gone to the state level um, as far as um, there's a technology fair th for the state of Iowa and it's a comp it's a competitive um, technology fair and I've had fifth graders every year actually that I taught taught in that school um, come back with purple ribbons which is the highest ribbon and they created some amazing programs using scratch um, just absolutely amazing programs we've got kids who have ideas we've got kids who have built their ideas into actual programs that work. Um, the last two boys um, were brothers. And interestingly enough, they were both actually diagnosed with their own challenges. Um, one is dyslexic and one has dysgraphia. Um, and they're twin brothers. And they str struggled in school um, and had, you know, modified plans to help them succeed in other curricular areas. Um, and they used Scratch. They also had a Kinder, well, a four-year-old brother at the time who had speech problems and had been worked with a speech therapist. And the speech therapist um, was trying to find an app on an iPad that this little boy could use to help practice the letter sounds that he was needing to learn to practice to say and to recognize his letters. And he was a pre-reader and he couldn't find, they couldn't, she couldn't find an app that would work for him because they all required some sort of reading. And so these boys decided they were going to create a program that their younger brother could use to help him practice all of his letter sounds. And so they, oh my gosh, they recorded their voices. They recorded all the sounds. They talked to the speech therapist about which letters should we start with and go in, you know, in which order. And they built this entire program and, it, and it's in the form of a game um, where that you could earn little stars and get to the next level by clicking on the appropriate letter. So if it was the letter M, they would have mm, monkey. And it was just the cutest thing. But the amount of time that these boys spent programming this, and it just all came with an idea that I can make something, even though an app doesn't exist, we can build this. Um, and just hearing um, their parents talk about how They've never seen their boys so excited about something. And it was just, I mean, it just, I just got choked up when they went to the state technology fair and got a purple ribbon out of this. But I mean, it, it was just so empowering for these boys to be able to create something that they had imagined. And they had a tool, even though it was block-based programming, um, they had a tool that they could use that would get them to what they wanted to do. We do have some we have an amazing program at our high school level called the Apex Program, where we have a program that students can take classes where basically what they're doing is working with local businesses. And there's over 200 businesses that the Apex Program partners with. And so these students, I mean, it's almost like a, 
like a, an apprenticeship type work where all the work they do in the course is really dictated by the business. And so they meet with business partners and, and um, there's different fields. So they can go into a medical field or they can go into law or they can go into, you know, insurance industries or what they've got different um, areas of interest that students can go into. But this is where I see when we can get those high school kids developing apps with their business partners, that's going to be amazing. Um, so we have the students with, with, with the right motivation and the skill set. Um, so in five years, I really, truly see we're going to have some high school kids developing apps for businesses in our community and, and really um, having that experience is just going to empower them um, going into the future. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, so fingers crossed that we can get this going with our computer science curriculum and grades 6 through 12 next year. I will tell you, we see this in my district. Students work with local businesses and and mostly charities to build Mm -hmm. uh, websites or web apps and some apps for local businesses, charities, and it's it's amazing. And that story about those two brothers creating that for their younger sibling, that is Mm -hmm. an amazing story. That uh, Mm -hmm. sounds like that would make a great TEDx or ISTE presentation. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you, they uh, you know, they also were invited to speak at the uh, State Technology Conference for Teachers this fall um, since they had won a purple ribbon. And uh, I had a couple connections from Apple that were there, some friends for, that work for Apple, and I had them come down just because I knew those boys would be so impressed to just meet somebody who worked for Apple and, you know, in their mind, it was just just amazing, and they wanted their picture taken with them. And these boys have, you know, and they're in uh, sixth grade now. And you know, I think about those boys often. I think, okay, hang on, and it, you know, they tell me they their next step is they want to actually develop this into an app that can be purchased in the app store. So move it from that um, the idea of you know the the game that they created using scratch they want it into an iOS app and so i told them i said here's what you need to do i got them started with you know the swift playgrounds and you just keep learning you don't need to have a class to do this you can do this on your own at home and i believe they are working on it and and last i talked to their parents they're they're pretty motivated but my goal is by the time they hit high school they'll they'll have a course where they can go through all the ins and outs of Swift. So yeah, that sounds great. Am I correct? Have you taught any other programming language or I know you've taught multiple levels at elementary, right? Right. Yeah. No, I have not. I've not taught any other programming languages. I may have dabbled a little bit in Java and, you know, HTML, but no, I've never taught, um, taught anything formally. Lucky you because, uh, yeah, it Swift is a, I think it's the best language to start with and to teach with. I was, I've just been mm-hmm. refreshing some of my JavaScript skills just for the heck of it. And oh, mm-hmm. just, it's so much more laborious to work in some of those other languages because of the extra cruff and the syntax. So yes. Yeah. You picked a good time well, to start. It, it's kind of one of my, I know, right. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe I can teach myself, um, by going through the, uh, the multi-touch books for the teacher manual and the student manual. That's that's kind of a personal goal of yeah, mine. Yeah, you definitely to can. Myself. That's so. uh, Fraser Spears in episode eight said, and these are his words, not mine. Although I, I pretty much agree with them. It's it, it would be hard for a teacher to mess it up, given that how good the the curriculum mm-hmm. mater- curricular materials are. What has been most surprising to you in teaching Swift? Uh, to students so young and computer science to students who are so young? Um, I honestly, you know, if you've ever, and you can talk with your wife about this, if you've sat in a room with 25 little five-year-olds. Uh, I try not to, but okay. <laughs> that's, why I t- that's why I chose high school. It, it takes a lot to keep them engaged um, for more than 10 solid minutes. It really, truly does. I mean, they just start rolling and moving and poking and... Um, you know, God bless kindergarten teachers. They have a challenging job and it's very rewarding and they're so cute and sweet, but oh my goodness, they are, they're movers and shakers. So I think honestly, what has been so surprising to me is how easily students become engaged. Um, 
And I'm talking even those five-year-olds, they just truly, truly become engaged. They become inquisitive. Um, it, it can be very challenging. And I think you can see that kids want to be challenged. They really, your brightest kids are just all about it. And and your kids who are just brand new um, are just real wide-eyed and, and interested. And so I think it's because it's just relevant. It's relevant to these kids. They use technology and it's fascinating to find out how it works. And um, I, I think that probably the most surprising thing is that it's just achievable for everyone. And, and I'll say it again. I think Apple really got it right when they named their curriculum, Everyone Can Code. Um, because that, to me, I, I can't think of anything else that I've ever taught to a class of students where everyone was so engaged and everyone was able to achieve and just motivated. They leave wanting more. They, they come back. They want to know, are we coding again today? Can we, what are we learning about today? I mean, they're just so excited. So I think that's what's most surprising is it just doesn't get old. There's just a ton of resources. You can go beyond what's laid out in the curriculum, or you can just stick right to that curriculum. And it's very, very rich and and it's it's just great stuff. So very easy for a teacher to teach. And you mentioned I was a Code.org affiliate. So I train teachers how to teach computer science. And, and these are teachers who come into a workshop and it's an all day workshop. And often they're very, if you ask them right at the beginning, you know, <laughs> why are you here? Some of them are there, not by choice. Um, they were told they need to teach computer science or their, their school, you know, in, in, in Iowa, that's soon going to happen where every teacher is going to be teaching computer science, whether they are excited as you and I are or very reluctant. And more often than not, the teachers are very reluctant. And it, and I understand that because it, it can feel intimidating. It's not something that we grew up in in school. Teachers do feel the pressures of all the things that they need to teach. And, the, and to some of them, this feels like one more thing. And how am I going to fit this in? By the end of the workshop, every teacher is so excited. They, they get it because when you jump in and you start doing it yourself and you start participating in some of these lessons and you think, wait a minute, I'm already teaching this in math. Oh my gosh, this would completely help my kids with geometry. Or, I mean, these are the comments I hear. And um, I think it, it's it's the big hurdle is just understanding why. Why are we teaching this? When you think 10 years ago, the app store didn't exist. And how dependent are we right now on apps? I mean, who, who can live their life without a single app on their phone? Our businesses are completely changed. You know, that Netflix, think about Netflix. I mean, it didn't even exist 10 years ago and it, they own more uh, film and they don't even own a cinema. So it's just crazy how businesses have changed and how our world has changed, but yet our schools are still, you know, a little behind on what we're teaching our students. That's, that's what's really surprising is one, seeing how excited the students get, but once you get teachers over that hurdle of why should I be teaching this and, and is this relevant and, um, can my kids do it or can I teach it? Um, the answer to all those things is yes. And, and that's what's really fun too is seeing teachers get excited to start teaching code. Now, I'm not sure they'd be so excited to teach Swift at the high school level because that even to me feels a little daunting. But <laughs> at the elementary level, you can definitely do it. Yeah, well, I can tell you as somebody who learned another programming language first, uh, mm -hmm. Swift is so much better. Good. Um, and, I've heard that many, many times. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. When I, my first language was Objective-C, and I, I still I couldn't imagine how to try to teach that to students. Mm -hmm. um, but I think part of the reticence that you feel from teachers when they come in is that, you know, as teachers, and I went through this same journey transition in my teaching as a former uh, math teacher, is that mm -hmm. I always felt like I had to have the answer. Right. But in programming, it's okay to say, oh, I don't know, mm -hmm. because there's no one programmer who has all all of the answers or all of the best code and people work together in teams. And that's why we have code reviews in my class is, is you can't have all of the answers. Absolutely. You know? And it, it's hard for teachers to say, to, to give them permission to say, I don't know, let's figure that out. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there and you're going through that transition and you're trying, you're struggling with that, it's okay. I assure you first time your, your students say, I don't know, but let's figure that out. And they, it's a, it ends up becoming like a classroom or a team project to figure this something out. You will be empowered. Your students will be empowered and your class will benefit from it. Absolutely. Very good point. What suggestions would you have to any teacher or school district that is considering starting to teach coding or programming 
with Swift or a block-based language, whether they're thinking about doing it in K5 all the way through high school? What suggestions would you have for them? Honestly, I'd say just start. I mean, there are just many, many resources. Apple's K-12 comprehensive curriculum is just amazing. Um, the resources are there. They're free, which is unbelievable. Um, there are, there's no real wrong way to get started. And um, as you mentioned, don't be afraid to just jump into something that does feel a little um, intimidating at first. Um, but just absolutely be ready to be amazed by your students because they will be so excited with however much you're able to expose them to. They'll be asking for more. And, um, and I would say also, you know, there's just a huge network of educators um, who are teaching SWIFT. Um, you mentioned, Brian, you, you know, your network and your teachers that have been teaching SWIFT for a couple years. Um, but there are a lot of lot of teachers, especially at the elementary and middle school levels that have been teaching computer science now for, for a few years and um, have developed even curriculum. So in standards at their district or at their state level, I would say just get started and, and have fun with it um, and be ready to learn along the way with your students. Um, but the resources are there. There's just so many great resources out there. And um, I, I think you'll just be amazed at, at how engaging and um, how motivating it is to watch your students um, learn along the way. Yes, well said. Now, I know you listen to podcasts. What are some of your favorites? Well, I'm always looking for new ones, um, but I, I kind of have a collection that I've started. I, honestly, I didn't listen to podcasts until a couple years ago. And now that I've started, it's just, you know, a, a regular part of my day. And it is amazing um, what you can pick up for some from some podcasts. And I, you know, I went through the years of, I was a chauffeur for my kids, I swear for, I've got four boys and, and they were all in sports. And there were many times I was in a parking lot waiting for practice to get over or driving somewhere. And so just being able to just take that time, um, I always felt like it needed to be something I needed to set aside a time to do. And I just do it along with everything else I do. Even in the grocery store, I'll have my earbuds in and, and sometimes just be listening. So um, I love TED Talk Daily, um, The Exceptional Educator, The Cold of Pedagogy, uh, Teachers Talking Tech. A friend of mine, Dan Koch, just started EdTech After Dark podcast. So I've been listening to that. Um, there's a local AEA in the state of Iowa that has um, a podcast called EdTech Takeout that I really like. Um, Edgy All Stars, a lot of good ones out there. So yes, that's that's a great list. Always looking for new ones, but there, you know, there's just something different from each one, and I, I don't think that there's usually just an aha moment. It's kind of like writing a book, but you know, where you just think, oh, I should write that down. And I find myself taking notes of different ideas or different resources or different people I should follow on Twitter that I haven't heard of. And so, I mean, podcasts are pretty powerful and a really good way to stay connected and to stay current and to listen to ideas. It's, uh, it, it's amazing. I, I, I want to say I've been listening to podcasts for like four years now and it is some of the best professional learning that I've ever had. I it have a 45-minute commute each way, so oh, an hour yes. and a half a day. And that's some of the most valuable things I get are from those 45 minutes, hour and a half every day where I can just listen to some of my uh, mostly tech-oriented podcasts and that I can that bring into the classroom and bring into work with me to help my colleagues. And yeah. It's, it's just amazing. And I <laughs> this fall, I... Did not want to buy a new car to get a car with CarPlay because I love my car. It's a hybrid. It gets great gas mileage. So yeah, I, it, I get 50 miles a gallon. So that's really helpful when you drive as far as I do. But so I got a car. I had a, a radio with CarPlay put in it. And that that's even better because now I can just, when I need to make a note about something, I hear something, I can just yell, hey, lady in the phone or person in the phone. Uh, I use the British Siri. Yeah. So, uh, hey, British manservant, remind me of this or That's make a awesome. note on this. And that way I can have that. Otherwise, well, I guess I could, could have used my Apple Watch as well. But um, That's awesome. it's, it, it's great. Yeah. Again, such, such great learning opportunities for uh, professionals. Where can people find you or your work online? Um, I'm on Twitter um, at Cindy Heron. And, uh, you know, I'm in the process of putting together a new 
web page in my new role. Um, trying to figure out how to how to set that up as far as um, being able to put resources that I'm using with teachers all the time, but just kind of give them a, a place to go. So that's in uh, that's in the works right now. But I'll make sure I link that in my Twitter account once that's done. That was my Christmas break uh, project, but isn't quite there yet. <laughs> right. Had a little vacation in there as well. Okay. Well, those yeah. are also needed as well. Exactly. So, do you have a teaching pro tip for our for the audience? As far as teaching code um, to elementary students, one thing I have found is that um, there will be kids who, especially if you get them into the Tinker app or you get them on the code.org puzzles or you get them on anything where they're on a device, um, really the intent there is to help solidify a concept that they've learned. And most of those concepts in the Everyone Can Code curriculum are unplugged activities. So for instance, we talked about learning sequence in kindergarten, or you may understand, you know, why why do programmers use repeat loops or what reason would we make a function? So those are big concepts and big ideas. And once kids understand that, they can apply using those skills um, online or on an app or using using a uh, scratch or on the code.org puzzles but sometimes often kids get into those puzzles and they, they just it, to them it feels like a video game or I have to get to the next level or I want to get to the next level and so I would just say just be cautionary of that like it's fine to let students move ahead and you'll have students that can but they will soon hit a roadblock because they're understanding they've gotten to, to a level where they don't understand that next concept and so as a teacher it's pretty easy to sit back and just let your kids um, go, if you will, on, on those levels. But always just bring it back and bring it back to what are we teaching and, and what are those important concepts in that vocabulary we want students to know. So it, they, they can get a little competitive sometimes. And I always, the other thing that I make sure that I have kids know is that if a student, if a friend of yours asks you to help them with this level, you know, their first inkling is to, oh, here's how you do it. And they just show them how to get past that level. And so I always tell kids, you know, you can't touch the device. You can't touch the mouse. You know, you have to use your words and explain and ask questions. So ask questions like, where are you stuck? What part are you on? And you have to really teach them. And that has helped tremendously because pretty soon it, it, it can get to that point of, well, I'm on level 12 or I'm on level 13. And it's really not about that. And younger students, you know, just being as playful as they are, they, they like that. And um, it's really about understanding a concept. And so just kind of be cautionary on that part, but, and, and empower your kids to be teachers and to help, help your, help your friends debug their program or help your friends, but don't do it for them. So that'd be my tip. All right. That's a good one. Uh, I will, in the theme of, uh, the younger grades K through five, my, uh, teaching pro tip is if you're using the Tinker app and once you start off with the uh, drag and drop block-based approach, but make sure you switch over. There's a button on the bottom of each screen that'll show the block and then Swift. Make yes. sure you switch sw switch over so the kids can see the code in the actual Swift. The more they see it, the more they'll remember it and it'll be more comfortable for them to switch over to the Swift Playgrounds app and eventually in, onto the Mac into uh, keyboard-based programming in Xcode. And ev all that exposure will build up over time and they, they will be better for it. Uh, or you could have them go through all those um, challenges in code-based, erase it, and then have them look at the Swift code and then go back and have them redo it again in Swift code. Now, absolutely, they... I, I that's that's a great tip. I had a teacher who I was working with, and um, we had toggled back and forth and shown the kids the the text. And so we started out by just showing them the Swift language in the text and asked them to try to figure out what blocks do you think that you would use. And so it was almost a reverse. Oh, and, okay. 
and that was really fun because they had to really critically look at the text and the the order in which you know the text was up there and we'd start with something pretty simple like you, you know move forward we think it would be two move forward blocks and then a turn you know so we'd start pretty simple but that it's kind of fun too to to start with the text and then see if they can go back to figure out what is it that would happen if you actually flipped it over and would see um you know which way would he actually move so it's kind of fun to have them try to decode that decode yeah, the that, code yeah that's great a bonus pro teaching bonus exactly <laughs> all right so if you'd like to find today the show notes for today's episode they will be at swiftteacher.org slash podcast please uh, consider joining us in the swift teacher slack channel there'll be a link in the show notes you can just tap or click the link and it'll take you right into Slack to sign up. Uh, if you have if you have a question you want to ask, you can ask Swift Teacher by doing it in the Swift Teacher Slack channel, or you can tweet a question to at underscore Swift Teacher on Twitter and using the hashtag ask Swift Teacher. I will reach out to somebody if I need to, if I can't answer the question and we'll have it for you in an upcoming episode. So Cindy, thank you so much for taking time to thank talk you, to me Brian. today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate uh, all your input. It was it was great to talk to you again. Absolutely. You as well. Thanks so much. Time to get Swifty.